This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England supporters football podcast. Well, that was a year that promised so much and failed to deliver. 2020. No one saw that coming. Although, on the podcast front, I'd like to hope I've delivered some content that's kept you distracted and maybe even entertained at times. We passed 100 episodes, which we celebrated with the, the Tedious Games episode. I also passed 100 episodes that I had actually done myself. Uh, this is actually episode 126. At the beginning of the year, I'd been speaking and planning with various people about meeting up with them and chatting about their role. Sadly, a lot of those have had to be put on hold. Obviously, because of coronavirus and social distancing. But I'm hoping that those people won't have forgotten me and I can still bring you those episodes in the future. Now, I'd like to hope that you've not been affected too much by this whole situation, but I'd imagine that's quite not the case. Uh, I do sincerely hope 2021 is a much better year and it could be a much better year if England do the business on the pitch. Now, I know it's been quite the year for virtual quizzes, all zooming it up with friends and family. I know I have. Uh, I know the England Supporters Travel Club done a regular one throughout the summer, which was great. So I thought, yes, let's hop on that bandwagon. So the idea of this episode is a quick look back over the year, interspersed with three sets of five questions. Some are pretty easy. Some will test your grey matter. There's no prizes other than a thank you very much from me from listening throughout the year. I'll give you the answers at the end. And we'll start with the first set of five questions, and they are on 2020. Haha, <laughs> I do like this annual episode. Gives me a chance to mess about with some sound effects and I can try and make me sound better than I really am. Hopefully they won't annoy you too much. Uh, you might actually want to grab yourself a pen and paper uh, and find that pause button on your device. So question number one on 2020. England senior men have played how many different nations in 2020? And who are they all? Not how many games, different opponents. Question number two. There have been 12 senior players that have made their England debuts in 2020. Can you name them? Question number three. Now, Jordan Pickford has played the most minutes for England, 540. Which outfield player was next? 
in the most minutes played for England this year? Question number four. How many red cards have England been awarded in 2020? And who were they given to? And the last question for 2020, question number five. Have a listen to this piece of audio from an England goal this year. Just name the goal scorer. Phillips of the corner. There is Mings and yeah! And it's a spectacular third goal for England. And Snyeh, you know, always a poacher. Showing off his acrobatic ability there. And England from set pieces have been very efficient. Another first-time goal scorer for England this evening. It's been quite a year for the podcast, and with the European Championships set to come up in the summer, I set about speaking with various England supporters about their experiences of following England at those tournaments. We covered 1980, 88, 92, 96, 2000, 2004, 2012 and 2016 with the idea of releasing them in the run-up to our participation this year. They were all recorded and edited up, and then, of course, we know what happened. The tournament was postponed. However, I decided to continue putting them out because the first few had been so popular. So here are some of the highlights. First up, this is Les Gasson, who we spoke to on episode 75 about his experience of Euro 1980. They took us to a place called Celli Ligure on the Italian Riviera as a little fit, like a little fishing village, really, a little resort, nice beach. And uh, they had about three hotels full of England fans. And they got us all together the first evening to meet and greet. And uh, we all had a good laugh. And then a couple of hours later, we all wandered down into the village by the sea and all hell broke loose, basically. No. There was all sorts going on. Apparently, all the local youths and gangs from the surrounding villages and towns came in for, should we say, a meet and greet. <laughs> and, uh, they, they were greeted by the likes of Dougie and his mates and everybody else and all the West Ham lads. And uh, it just all kicked off. Next thing you know, it's with the, the place is full of carabinerian police whacking everybody. And uh, they went into the hotel, the local hotel, where a lot of England fans were. They were throwing their bags out the windows into the street and all sorts. It was absolutely chaotic mess. It was quite scary, really. And uh, next week, I know, a bloke I was with, um, Nigel from Torquay, said um, the Arsenal chap has just been whacked by one of the police and he was going to be just about to arrest him. And I just I just uh, like turned around and put my hand up to the policeman and said, well, he's done nothing wrong. Next thing I know, I've got a gun on me forehead. And Dean Cornish told us about Stuart Pearce's penalty at Euro 96 on episode 84. And it comes down to the, the dreaded penalties again. And obviously Stuart Pearce, the protagonist in all of it, 
um, you know, after his uh, his um, penalty was saved in 1990 for him to step up again. And that's the mark of Stuart Pearce, isn't it? You, you knew that he's the sort of bloke. He's, he was never going to shirk it. He was never going to not take one. And, and I think everyone knew as well the sort of penalties that Stuart Pearce took. He was never going to do a Padenka, was he? No. <laughs> it, it was never going to be sort of, you know, gleefully sort of glanced into the into the side netting. He was going to rifle it in and then six years of, of pain for him just flooded out of him like a, you know, like a monster coming out of his mouth, screaming and, you know, sort of almost beating his chest. It was absolutely brilliant. And Glenn Davis told us about dressing up at Euro 2012 on episode 99. He he turned up for the trip and he'd literally just been on a stag do. When we got there, he's like, look, I've brought the costumes from the stag do. I've got a Fred Flintstone and a Superman. Does anyone fancy being Superman? Because I'm going to be Fred Flintstone. So uh, foolishly, I put my hand up and said, yeah, I'll do it. Without realising that the suit, the chest was all lined with this sort of rubber foam. Right. And, uh, so I went to every game dressed as Superman, and I have never been so hot in my life. I, I, I felt like I was a turkey going in an oven at Christmas. I was oh. <laughs> hot. But the, the Ukrainians were amazing. They they kept coming up to us and wanting photos with us. And in in the end, Howard used to pick the girls up and put him over his shoulder like a sort of fireman's lift, being a caveman. Yeah. And I used to do the sort of. Um, Superman and Lois Lane and pick them up by their legs, you know, with one arm behind their back and one up behind their knees for all these photos. It was absolutely brilliant, mate. Don't forget, all those episodes are still available for you to listen to at your pleasure whenever you want. ThreeLionsPodcast.com is the place to go or your usual podcast provider. So we've had our first set of five questions. They were on 2020. Next set of questions, well, they are on general knowledge. Question number six. Who is the oldest player to represent England? Question seven. And the youngest. Who is the youngest player to represent England. Now, question number eight. Only one player has scored for England at both ends in a game. Who was it? Question number nine. On general knowledge. Let's go back to 1966 for this one. We all know that Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters scored the World Cup final goals. But who got England's first goal in the tournament? Little clue, it was against Mexico in our second group game after we'd drawn 0-0 with Uruguay. And the last question on general knowledge. Which African nation... Have England played the most? Is it Egypt, Cameroon or Nigeria? Don't forget, we'll give you the answers to those at the end of the podcast.
Now, despite the restrictions on meeting up with people, speaking virtually with guests for the podcast has been great, and I've been fortunate to speak with quite a few. Well, having said that, the first one I'm going to mention, Tim Diath. Uh, we actually met in person before this all kicked off. Uh, Tim Diath was a former chef for the senior men, uh, and he told me some stories about his time. Uh, you can find that on episode 81. Adrian Bevington was the Club England Managing Director from 2010 until 2015. That one was via Zoom. Uh, episode 87, if you want to hear what Adrian spoke about. Now, episode 91. Henry Winter is the Chief Football Writer for The Times and author of 50 Years of Hurt, The Story of England. And here, he's singing the praises of England fans. I mean, I can remember when I started out being told not to um, basically not to sign anything in a hotel because there was a group of England fans who would sign all their bar bills in your name. Really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was but that was a long time ago. And then and then and then, you know, it's, look, it's completely different now. And I, I would say there's a good I hope there's a good relationship between the uh, between the players and the, uh, you know, like the. Um, the block is it 109 yes is it, is it 109 have i got yes, that right block 109 yes i think it's brilliant what you're doing first the the, the fan the, the flags that came i thought was fantastic and also the um that this charity this charity initiative that you've got going i think it's absolutely brilliant trying to sort of raise money and little things like that you, you know it might seem small and maybe only a few quid and maybe a small gesture but it's absolutely huge if you're say poland or kazakhstan or to be honest any country around the world and england remember this is england the fa you know the originators of the game the codifiers of the game the world's oldest in, international if england turn up it is a huge issue even when england were in the doldrums england being in town was huge so when the supporters turn up and they make a gesture to the locals i'm sure you've seen it down the yeah. year how much it is appreciated um, the fact that it's England. I mean, the Three Lions shirt and all that is still, you know, it's still iconic around the world, despite England not having won anything for so long. Now, Nicky Shorey played twice for England at Wembley, once against Brazil and once against Germany. You can hear all about that on episode 96. One of my favourites of the year was a chat with John Murray, the BBC Five Live commentator, uh, who regularly commentates on England and you can re-listen to that one, episode 97. Now, it's been well documented that the FA have been hit hard by the COVID situation. Of course, as in many walks of life and businesses. But on the football front, two England sides have been hit. The England Sea Team and the England Futsal Team. First, Paul Fairclough, manager of the England Sea Team, gave me some of his time on episode 105. Hello, Paul. Hi, Russell. Look, at the moment, the um, England Sea activities have been suspended right? because of the coronavirus mm. and the effect it's had on it. It's no secret at the FA that there's been huge cuts at the FA and huge casualties. You know, sadly, more than 100 and 100 people have lost their jobs at, at least. Yeah. And there's been a lot of people who've suffered and England Sea have, have, have suffered. So, And so 
our budget has contributed to, to that, that loss. So we're temporarily suspended. So work will carry on. Yeah. Doing what we do, you know, once we can get into games, you know, we're all excited. All the scouts are excited about watching the up and coming playoffs on BT. So they'll all be at it. And, um, and hopefully when things improve, who knows they're going to improve? I mean, because it's, it's, it's very sad because the impact we have, for example, I, had a, I selected a young goalkeeper from Curzon and Ashton to be on the contingency squad for the game against Wales. And he was interviewed by the non-league paper yep. and he was in the contingency squad. So he wasn't even selected as one of the two goalkeepers, but it was as if he'd won the jackpot. Yeah. And it, it inspired him for the, for the forthcoming, for this season that's coming. He, he wants the shirt, but obviously we're not going to have any games Yeah. until it, until it gets sorted out. And then, you know, I'm determined and so are the people who've our administration team, Lawrence Jones and Andy Shaw, who, who, who helps us. We're all determined to, to get the team, you know, up and running, which with whatever it's going to take. Look, we don't know how long it's going to last. You know, no one, no one really saw this coming. You know, my heart goes out for the, for the people who've, who've lost their, their jobs throughout, throughout the world, really. You know, there's, there's bigger things in life than football. If you're led to believe Bill Shankly, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It's true, you know. I mean, we, we suffered, I believe, temporarily. How long that temporary will, will be, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. We will be back. We will be promoting the, the young players again, for sure. And then Doug Reed from the Futsal team on episode 115. This is what he had to say. Hello, Doug. Hiya. Thank you for inviting me. Now we've had this decision where they've announced that they're going to cut all the support they can really for the sport. They're going to end the England programme, end most of the sport for the grassroots, which is a real, real shame. And they're saying it's because of COVID, but we can't really believe that because COVID, they said, was going to need about 20% cuts across the organisation. And this is more or less a 100% cut for futsal. So it's more, I think, a, a kind of technical decision or a philosophical decision than than actually all down to COVID as they're, they're trying to hide behind. Yeah, I mean, it's it obviously hit you, yourself, the other players, the, the whole sport in England quite hard to the point where uh, the England captain, Rayoni Medina, put an open letter to, to fellow England captain Harry Kane. And, and it was pretty powerful words, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really, you could really feel the emotion in the letter. And I think that's how we're all, we all feel. I mean, there was an England senior team, which I played for, and then there's the under-21s, the under-19s. There was a commitment to form a women's team for the UEFA Futsal Euro, um, women's Euro in 2021. So there was a lot of people involved in this sport. And we were absolutely shocked because, OK, we saw the cuts that the FA had to make and we expected that we'd take our fair share, probably more than our fair share of cuts. But... To completely end the programme, we, we didn't know anything about it until there was a leaked report in The Guardian. Um, and then we had a call with the FA, hastily arranged the next day, and they told us it was the end of the programme, end of all the support for Putsan. It's just, it's come at such a shock because in 2018, they released a six-year strategy for Futsal. 
And it was all, it had like Gareth Southgate, the former technical director, uh, Dan Ashworth, all talking about how, how brilliant this game was. The director of women's football um, saying how it's so important to the growth of the uh, women's and girls game. So, you know, everything was looking looking bright, looking promising for the sport. And there's just been a sudden reversal of, of I don't know, the thought of how futsal, you know, what futsal is in England. And they've, they've just pulled out all support. So, yeah, everyone's shocked emotional and yeah very upset about what's happened and how it's happened episode 108 chris temple is the voice of wembley stadium and he told us what it's like to be there with no supporters without you we would not really have a great deal of a clue what's going on especially those at the back row i guess at the top tier at wembley you're you're kind of like our our tv commentator aren't you yeah, well, it's, it's funny you say that because, I mean, it's obviously the way the world's turned at the moment and, and having stadia without fans, mm. actually a lot, a, lot of, a lot of events are actually sort of doing away with announcers um, because there's no one. I, I get tweets, you know, from, from people saying, why is there an announcer at Wembley for the FA Cup final when there's no one there? Well, of course, part of the role of being an announcer is not just necessarily for the fans. It's also part of the occasion, as you say, and the fact that there are ceremonial bits that need to be handled, you know, for example, the Cup final or England games, the national anthem needs to be cued. It doesn't just play itself. Mm. Um, you know, all those, I don't, I, mean, I don't press play on the music, but, you know, the scripting and everything else, guests that need to be introduced, things like VAR, of course, is an extra role for an announcer these yeah. days. But a lot of, I think a lot of England fans listening to this would probably say they've never noticed me or, um, you know, that they just don't really notice what goes on in the big screen because they have their ritual of meeting their certain friends at a certain point for the pre-match drinks or chat or have a bet or whatever it is that people do before the game um, and they probably have a glance up and they probably listen to you know the team lineups or other things that go on but I think in this it's one of those things if you do a good job that's when you often don't get noticed it's like refereeing isn't it um, yeah if you stumble or stutter or get something wrong that's when people will notice you so that's in a way why you know obviously you want to get everything right anyway but even more so that you can almost go under the radar sometimes and that's probably sometimes as an announcer how, how it should probably be And then quite recently, on episode 121, John Driscoll joined me as he is a commentator for Sky Sports and now author. And you can find all of those episodes at threelionspodcast.com or on the likes of iTunes, Spotify or Amazon Music. Right, let's go to the last round of the quiz. Here we go then, last set of questions. And these are on numbers. So question 11. The last time we were allowed into Wembley was against Montenegro. What was the attendance that night? 76,277, 77,277 or 78,277? Question 12. Jermaine Defoe is currently scoring goals for Glasgow Rangers for his former England teammate Stephen Gerrard. How many times did they play together for England? Question 13. England have had 15 full-time managers, but they've had four caretaker managers. Can you name them? 
Question 14 on numbers. Bit of maths now. What do you get when you add the amount of games Gareth Southgate has been in charge of for England to the amount of goals scored during that time? And finally, question 15. Which manager won the most playing caps for England? Glenn Hoddle, Kevin Keegan or Gareth Southgate? There we go. I'll give you the answers very soon. But not before we've heard from some supporters who have been on the podcast over the past year. Now, it's something I always enjoy doing. Chatting with fellow fans, either what it's like to be an England supporter or the experiences it brings, the memories. We've done the Your First England Away Game series. We've spoken with foreign England fans too. Both features that I'd like to continue in to 2021. So if you would like to contribute, please do get in touch. And as I think I've said, I'll tell you how to towards the end of the show. Now on episode 92... David Bedlow told us about his first England away game, the 5-1 in Germany. They always say um, score just before half time. Could you foresee what was going to happen in that second half based on that sort of the impetus of of scoring bang on half time? What was was the feeling in the England fans? it was party atmosphere at half time. It was, it was uh, probably I've never experienced half time before or or since like it. It was, uh, and the numbers made it. There were so many people there. Uh, yeah. And if, mem- if memory serves me right, they had they had two uh, boxes in the uh, situated in the away end where the TV were being done, and I think Gary Lineker was in one, um, maybe doing BBC, and I think Alan Shearer was in one, maybe doing something else. And half time, I just remember everybody singing at Gary Lineker and at Alan Shearer. Um, but I think if you were to ask most people at half time, you'd have said, "Well, the Germans are going to come, probably a bit of an onslaught second half. And if we can, if we can manage to stay at two one, or even if we just they score and we manage a two two, it's a, it's a phenomenal result. But to, yeah, to see um, to see it end up being five one, I don't think anybody would have ever dreamt that. Episode one hundred and one, Andre Cliven told us what it's like to be an England fan from Norway. So England then, how, why, when, how did it all come about for you personally? Well, when you, well, back when I grew up um, in the 80s, it would be normal to have a team in Norway to follow, but it would, I would say it would be even more normal to have a team in England to follow. I mean, Everybody who follows football back then would have a team in England to follow. So when you're when you're following English football, at the same time for me with all the players and um, all my favorite players and so on, when it came to championship time and Norway at the time wasn't a big football nation. So for me, it was England. And uh, 1990 was a huge, huge tournament for me. Um, and those memories will live on forever, and and that kind of sealed it. And and ever since, I couldn't really give up on it. I mean, it was I became more interested in following the English national team than the Norway. And I'm not the only one. I mean, there are a lot of people in Norway that look forward for the tournaments, and they really look forward to see how England will, um, how they will perform this year. And you know, it's it's. Um, 
it's a strange thing, but for us Norwegians, it's, I would say, a little bit of a normal thing as well. And on episode 112, not many of us have been able to see England in the flesh this year. However, Chad Thomas has, and he told us what it was like to be behind the fence in Iceland. It was a pretty good trip, really. All the, I, had, I had 11 nights there, but obviously the first five nights I had to quarantine. Yeah. The, the test was painful. Obviously, there was nerves there, just you know, right nostril up my nose. Like, oh. uh, I've had a COVID test on before, but not like that. But uh, obviously, I had to get taxi to me to my Airbnb flat, and uh, the host was there waiting for me, stuck in my flat then for five days. Test came through saying, all negative, you're clear. Punched the air, and I had a fox and said, right, I'm out, I'm out of quarantine now. And there was this uh, Iceland uh, TV reporter, love, uh, I think his name was Sylvana or something, very lovely lady, and she was out there doing comments. She was like, what are you doing here? I said, no, I'm coming in for the game. And then she realised, what, are you from England? She was yeah, I'm from England. And um, then she just couldn't, and then one thing came to her, she just couldn't believe I came out for the game. She goes, you must be the only England fan here. I went, well, I don't know anybody else. And then uh, she, she got me on Iceland TV, did an interview with her, and she was just great. Then Rob Dorsey from Sky Sports News got a wind of it and did an interview with him um, Saturday morning. And then uh, 45 minutes before kickoff, Sky News came. Adam, is it Coasters, like the European correspondent? All did right. an interview with him as well. It, it just went, it just went sort of viral, insanely. Really, just it was just it was just mental. Did so, you sing uh, the national just, anthem? I did. I did yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. People looking at me, they were just laughing and smiling. But the Iceland fans, they sang their national anthem as well. So, well, I, I was hoping they could hear me cheer them on. But, uh, I did, well, and I, well, I certainly did cheer when uh, Sterling got the penalty and scored. Obviously, you, it wasn't the best performance. A win was a win. I hope you enjoyed that short look back over the year. Of course, there were plenty of other episodes recorded and they are all still available on 3lionspodcast.com. So please, go check them out. Okay, let's put you out of your misery. Let's have some quiz answers. How do you think you've done? As I said, no prizes. But perhaps you can uh, perhaps you can let me know how you've done on our social media channels. Three Lions Podcast at Twitter. And we've got the Facebook group as well. Just search Three Lions Podcast. We're on Instagram as well. But those quiz answers, here they come. So we started with 2020. England's senior men have played how many different nations in 2020 and who are they all? So five different nations, Iceland, Belgium, Denmark, Wales and the Republic of Ireland. Question two, 12 senior players have made their England debuts this year. Can you name them? Phil Foden, Mason Greenwood, Connor Cody... Calvin Phillips, Jack Grealish, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Rhys James, Harvey Barnes, Dean Henderson, Jude Bellingham and Bukayo Saka. And who's played the most minutes for England in 2020? Well, we mentioned Jordan Pickford. He played six out of the eight games, 540 minutes. But he was closely followed by Declan Rice. With 526 minutes, Declan Rice uh, played the most minutes as an outfield player for England this year. How many red cards have England been awarded this year was question four. The answer is three. Uh, Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire and Rhys James. 
So the piece of audio of the England goal scorer was, of course, Danny Ings. Phillips of the corner. There is Mings and Ings. And it's a spectacular third goal for England. And Danny Ings, always a poacher, showing off his acrobatic ability there. And England from set pieces have been very efficient. Another first-time goal scorer for England this evening. A second set of questions were on general knowledge. Who was the oldest player to represent England was question six. Stanley Matthews. He aged 42 and 102 days. That was back against Denmark in 1957. Question seven was the youngest player to represent England. Theo Walcott was 17 and 75 days when he made his first appearance against Hungary in 2006. Now, question eight was a bit of a tough one. Only one player has scored for England at both ends in a game. Who was it? Tony Adams against the Netherlands in a friendly in 1988 at Wembley. Well, they found a way through there. The Jacksons a good run by Vouchers and Hullet. Oh, it's gone in off Tony Adams, I think. I rather think that's an own goal. Hullet is getting congratulated, but I don't think it was his. As it comes across, it evades Peter Short, and that's surely got to be an own goal by Tony Adams. Unlucky. Adams came in, and it's a goal for England. And Tony Adams has scored at both ends. It's 2-2. So who was our first goal scorer in the 1966 tournament? It was Bobby Charlton against Mexico in our second game. And the last question in general knowledge, which African nation have England played the most? It was Cameroon, who we've played four times. Egypt and Nigeria, we've played three. And those last set of questions were on numbers. Uh, The attendance against Montenegro was the middle amount, 77,277. Were you one of those? Uh, Jermaine Defoe and Stephen Gerrard, both together at the moment for Rangers in Scotland. How many times did they play together for England? 40. 4-0. Now, those four caretaker managers. What's the subject for question 13? Can you name them? Joe Mercer had seven games back in 1974. Howard Wilkinson had two games in two separate periods in 1999 and 2000. Peter Taylor had one game in 2000 and Stuart Pearce had one game in 2012. Question 14 was the maths challenge, something I always hated at school. Uh, The amount of games Gareth Southgate uh, has been in charge of England added to the amount of goals scored for him during that time. The answer is 149. Gareth Southgate has had 49 games in charge of England and 100 goals scored in that time. And the last question, question 15 in this quiz. Which manager won the most playing caps whilst playing for England? Hoddle, Keegan or Southgate? The answer was Kevin Keegan. He won 63. Southgate won 57. And Glenn Hoddle, 53. There we go, just a bit of fun. As I say, let me know how you got on. Did you get all 15 right? Did you get one from each section? 
Three Lions Podcast on Twitter, or we've got the Facebook group as well. Thank you, as always, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Always appreciated. And for tuning in over the past year. I'll be back very soon with some more content. And if you're listening to this before Christmas, however you're spending it, enjoy it. Likewise, the new year. And I wish you the best of health and happiness. Stay safe. Stay subscribed. Cheers.